So welcome to uh, First Baptist Church today. Glad you can join us. Got a few family matters first as we start. Can we wait on that one? Thank you. <laughs> Dorothy, uh, there's just a lot of people that we need to pray for. And uh, um, I see Dorothy Lomans here today. She was here last week. Uh, but thank you for praying for her. Continue to pray for her shoulder. Does that bone still hurt where they drove that? Ah. Yeah, so continue to pray for that. But she worked, and uh, that's great. Continue to lift Ruth Babbitt up before God. She broke her um, ankle um, about two weeks ago. She's in quite a bit of pain, and she lives by herself. Um, so really, don't visit, but she would love the calls or cards if you can write. She told me she got three of them on one day this week. So, so that's a great thing. So thank you for taking care of her. I also see Amanda Fitch sitting over here. It's going to be a long recovery, but I was surprised she was here for her Bible study this week, and now she's here this morning. I also continue to pray for her as she uh, um, recuperates. Um, I've just got a whole bunch. Dave Fenton um, is still recuperating from hip replacement, so lift him before God. And, and then don't forget about Jake Nienhuis. He's in his, uh, I think he's had five weeks of chemo. He's in an 11-day period of radiation um, for an 18-year-old um, young man. Um, just, just continue to lift him and his family and encourage them as well. And then I learned this morning, I didn't check my emails much the last couple of days, that Bush Smits is in the hospital. Uh, he's been there since Thursday, and they're not sure what's going on. Something with a pancreas or a gallbladder or something, they, they still don't know. So lift up uh, Bush Smith um, before God, and uh, just we get, there's a whole bunch of needs. A few other surgeries coming up in the next couple of weeks that we'll talk about next week. Um, I also want to address, um, you probably see out in the, in the foyer, there's a table with a bunch of glass slippers. These are for your taking. Um, this was Elda Ann's collection, Pastor Hardin's wife, uh, who went to be with the Lord a, a few years ago. But Pastor Hardin has, is in the process of selling his house, and he's moving to Grand Rapids. Um, so October 16 will be his last Sunday with us. And he wants these slippers to go. He's been given, they had 150 slippers. And he said, if you're interested, if you want to remember Elda Ann, he would love for you to have them. But as a church, he's going to be missed. Um, greatly. So on October 16, um, he's going to have a small part of the service, and I also would encourage you, let's, let's have a card shower for him, you know, just write notes that we can give him and encourage him as he heads to Grand Rapids to uh, uh, be closer to family, but it's just fun to hear the stories how God is working through this, even though it might not be what he wants, but he's growing into it, and he's seeing God's sightings all over. So continue to lift Pastor Hardin, and then you can throw the slides up. So this is uh, uh, my new, my first grandson. Uh, yeah, I'm not very excited. Just not sure how to process this yet that we're at this stage. With, his name is uh, Everett. Um, they live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I haven't seen my wife since Thursday. I don't know when she's coming home. <laughs> she's left. I'm going down Tuesday night um, to see, and we're taking the kids next weekend. But we moved here. Dylan was in fifth grade. So how many fifth grade students we have in here right now? Jackson, I know you are. Some fifth grade students. Fifteen years, this will be you. You will be, you could be a parent. <laughs> Mom and dad, tears rolling down eyes. I just say that to enjoy your kids. Be intentional. Life goes so fast. But we are blessed to be at this stage of life. To be a grandpa is crazy. But we thank God for that. 
So let's just pause and pray, change the subject. Father, there's a lot of people hurting in our congregation. There's a lot of them that haven't even, I just don't have the freedom to, to share from the pulpit here. But Father, we pray for all those that are ill, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. May the message this morning, Father, give some light, give some wisdom, help us to have some discernment as we, as we look at what's happening in our lives. So Father, I, just, I can feel the, the weight of this. I've, I told somebody this morning, it's like I'm preaching my first sermon today. It's just, just this weight that I want. I want to be true to your scriptures and I want, I want your Holy Spirit to do the work. So I just, I lift this before you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Oh, God, you're my rock and my redeemer. And we love you, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we're going to be turning to a lot of scriptures today. So we'll go there in a little bit. But I had seasons in my life, a season, where I was blessed with kidney stones. It started about 20 years ago. And uh, we were getting ready for church on a Sunday morning. I think we had three children at that time. Um, and and, and I, I said, I got to use the bathroom. So I was already heading out the door, went to the bathroom. Stacy went and put the kids in the car, and she came back, and she found me on the bathroom floor in pain. And, like, I had no idea what was happening. Was I dying or what? But the pain was just awful. So over to the ER I went, and they found out I had kidney stones. And for the next 10 years... I had numerous bouts with kidney stones that I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. But I remember being in so much pain that when it would come on and I try not to go to the hospital, and I would cry out, God, why is this happening? What's going on here? God, help me get rid of this. And any time that we have illnesses, we have questions. Why me? Why am I ill? Did, did, did I do something wrong? What, what could we have done, I have done to prevent this? There's some reason why I'm going through this? Will, will I ever get better? What hope is there? Has anybody ever been there? Illness throws our lives into confusion. It creates a lot of questions that we have inside of us. And they're hard to answer. And that is true of physical illnesses. Emotional illnesses and mental illnesses as well. Whatever it may be, when things in our life are not working right, it raises all sorts of questions, and we need to turn to the Word of God. First place that we turn. The Bible is written to reveal, reveal God to us and to show us life a little bit more clearly. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at God's word and I want to come to an understanding about some questions that we have when we deal with illnesses. But to begin with, I have to be very clear. When God created the world, he looked at the world and what did he say? It was very good. Everything was perfect, just like he wanted it. Relationships were in harmony. No illness whatsoever. There was absolutely no sin in his creation. I can't imagine that, but someday we can. We'll be able to see that. But then sin entered the world. And ever since then, there's been sickness, there's been pain, there's been death. None of us, none of us are completely healthy, either mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, or physically. When, when Romans 5.12 says this, 
When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for how many sinned? Everyone sinned. Everyone sinned. And because of the sin, there is illness. But Jesus came saying, and I love this verse. It's on the beginning of your, front of your bulletin. Let's read this together out of Luke. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Jesus is our healer. And that brings hope. And the Bible makes that extremely clear. So we're going to look at a lot of different texts this morning. And what I want to do is we want to put these texts kind of on a map. And most of the texts that we deal with are going to be physical illness types of texts. But what I have to say has application to mental illness as well. So turn to your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I want to give you a little heart about this. About a month back, I was starting to outline this third series in our, in our Breaking the Silence, our mental illness series. And, and I knew the direction I wanted to go. I knew um, the question that I wanted to answer. And as, as I was thinking and praying about it, I had somebody swing in my, my office. And I just started sharing kind of where I was going. And she was talking uh, about what was going on in her life at that time in her life. And where God has brought her over the last few years and what she's struggling with right now. And then as we talked about the sermon series, she said, you know what? I think you, I want to send you a sermon that has been powerful in my life. And I listened to it over and over and over. It helps with understanding on this whole area of illness in my life. So she sent me a link. And the link is Spiritual Sickness and Spiritual Warfare from Calvary Church in Grand Rapids. And it's from a, a series that Pastor Samra gave called Rescued, Restored, and ready. And this pastor, when I heard it, I just sat there saying, he's speaking what I've been thinking, that I've been wrestling with how and what am I going to, how am I going to give words to what I want to share this morning? He articulated it very, very clearly. So I was wrestling with it. Like, I would love to just take that message and show it this morning. It's that good. But it's 45 minutes long. And I need to summarize it. And I've got negative 18 minutes ready. I'm over by 18 minutes. <laughs> I'm not watching that clock. <laughs> That's off this morning. So I encourage you to, to do this link. But what I'm going to do th this morning is I'm going to talk a lot about, a lot of the points that he shares, I'm going to share this morning verbatim from what he had to say. And then I'm going to give you some insight from what the Holy Spirit has showed me as I've, as I've thought through this sermon. And I really believe as we seek discernment about our illness, physical or mental, that the Holy Spirit will give us some insight this morning. So turn first to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, 29 through 34. And I'll have all these passages on the screen, but I want you to be there in your, your Bible as well. I'm going to read this. So after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. 
That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. So at first glance, this is a pretty straightforward healing story. Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. The family tells Jesus about her sickness, and he goes and he heals her. But there's an interesting phrase in, in verse 31. It says, the fever left her. Now, now that's an intriguing because when you're thinking about an illness, we don't use that kind of language, do we? We don't say, my cancer left me, or, or we, 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 I, I was healed of cancer. We, we say, I was healed of cancer. My cancer's in remission. We don't say, my cancer left me. The word left here is the same word that we see in verse 18 and in verse 20 of this chapter. When Peter and Andrew were told to leave their nets, when, when James and John were said, leave your father and come follow me. It's, it's that, that leaving is a kind of thing that active beings do. Where you can tell them, where we, we come and we go. We pick ourselves up and we move on. It's strange that a fever is leaving. But it gets even more stranger, more stranger, more strange as you go to Luke. So turn to Luke chapter 4 because it's the exact same story, the account of healing of Peter's mother-in-law. So act Luke chapter 4, 38 through 39. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever. He rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. Jesus rebuked the fever, and it did what? It left her. Again, we don't say things like that. We don't go to the doctor and say, he rebuked my fever, and he left, do we? Rebuking is something that we do to an, to an active agent, which, which has willpower and, 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 and can understand a rebuke. Fevers don't have that ability. Rebuking is usually language we use or we hear of being used for evil spirits being removed. But back in, Mark's, back in Mark's version, the fever has left. And then what do we see Jesus doing? We are told that lines of people come to Jesus. So many people that they're watching Jesus heal. And he's healing some, and he's casting out demons out of others. We're not told specifically which is which. We're meant to see an overlap between the two. There's distinct... But there's overlap, which raises the all-important question, what is the role of sin, spiritual warfare, demonic oppression, darkness in the physical, mental, and emotional illness that we experience? What role does Satan and sin play in our illness, in our struggles, and in our injuries? There seems to be a connection between fever and spiritual warfare in this passage. So on our map, we're going to have a line here, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk later. On our map, I'm going to put it right here, and you're going to see this as we fill this in. Now turn to John chapter 9, 
verses 1 through 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chapter 9. We're going to be looking at a lot of passages. Love to hear the pages turn. John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? That's our question. What's the relationship between the spiritual and the physical when there's an illness? And here's Jesus' answer. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So in Mark 1, with the fever, we have some indication that it's that, that there's something spiritual going on and something physical going on because the fever was rebuked and it left her. And we see Jesus healing demon-possessed people and healing physically ill people. But in John chapter 9, it is explicit. There is no connection whatsoever between sin and spiritual illness. And what the man was experiencing was complete physical illness. His disciples were assuming that there was some type of connection. But Jesus says, in this case, there is no connection at all. Sin has nothing to do with this man's blindness. Nothing at all. So now we turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Timothy 5, verse 23. I'll give you a few seconds to get there. 1 Timothy 5, verse 23. So Paul is giving some advice about widows and elders and slaves, servants. And then he talks about some illness here. Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for, for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. So, so there's some type of illness going on, a stomach illness that is happening. And it's in the first century, and they saw wine as having some medicinal properties. And here Paul is saying to Timothy, you have physical illness? Take some medicine. Take some medicine. So on our map, it goes a little bit right of John chapter 9. Now turn to back to Mark, Mark chapter 5. Matthew, Mark chapter 5. We'll be here for a couple different ones today. Matthew, Mark 5, verses 25 through 29. Again, all familiar stories, but I want you to see this. So a woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she has spent everything she had to pay for them, but she had gotten no better. It's expensive. Health care is expensive. And she didn't get any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. So on our map, this would go a little bit right of 1 Timothy, but not quite as far as Mark chapter 1. There's some indication of what we have going on as spiritual things. 
She, she, she went to the doctor, and it continued to get worse and worse and worse. They couldn't figure it out. But as soon as she touched Jesus' cloak, she was healed immediately. But instead of saying the pain went away, look at the wording here. The text tells us that she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. That makes you think that she was held captive by what was going on inside of her. It makes you think that there might be some type of spiritual warfare going on inside of her. Maybe something that's more than just medical, but definitely physical as well. So now I'll turn to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, as we continue to map this out. And I want to start on, at verse 10. Luke 13, verse 10. On Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. Can you imagine? 18 years, and God healed her. Physical illness for 18 years. And Jesus says the source of her problem was spiritual. A spirit was holding her in bondage. So on this map, as we map it out, it would be on the right side of Mark chapter 1. Luke 13 makes it clear that an evil spirit was part of this. So now back, turn back to Mark. Back to chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We're going to read 1 through 8. Mark chapter 5. I think the next slide, please. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of Garcinus. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Some physical things going on there that you can see it, evidence. But when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. This goes further to the right. An evil spirit is in this man. Next one. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. 28. 1 Corinthians, this will be the last one. We're actually going to start at verse 27. 
So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. So there's some people in the Corinthians church that are sick and even dying. And it was exclusively because of sin. Not, not a physical illness, but exclusively because of sin. 1 Corinthians 11 is the opposite of John chapter 9. John chapter 9, zero correlation between sin and illness. 1 Corinthians 11, 100% correlation between sin and illness. They were sick because they were sinning. So as we, as we think about this as we think about these passages, I want to show you a, a different graph. If we think about our own illnesses, we can't really map out our illness. But we can get insight into it. I think, as Dave and I were talking this week, I think this gives a little picture of it. It is possible to be physically sick but to be very spiritually well, isn't it? We saw that in one of the passages. It's also possible to be physically sick and to be very spiritually ill as well. We've seen that in, our, in one of our passages. So as we move, we all got to say, where, what's going on in my life? What's going on and where do I fit with my illness on this graph? And our, our goal as believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of God, is to, is to be the best we can in that end. So we talk about the 10 things that Ben was talking about last week. They help us move in that direction. The gospel. The gospel helps us move and brings us to the place as the only tool possible for spiritual wellness. But I can still be sick. We don't, just because you believe the gospel doesn't mean that you're not going to be physically sick. Let me say that very clearly. You can pray and pray and pray and you can still be sick. So as we think about our own lives and where we are, we ask for discernment. God, help me understand what's going on inside of me. Help me, help me, your Holy Spirit, to give me discernment and to give me wisdom. So what I want to do, I want to give you five things that Pastor Samra talked about that I thought were powerful to help us diagnose if it's just medical or when sin and spiritual warfare might be moving us into that direction. So the first one is church sick. And it comes out of Mark chapter 1. It's not a coincidence that Peter's mother is getting sick when Jesus is coming around, is it? If your illness seems to flare up before you come to church on a Sunday morning, if your illness flares up right after a spiritual high in your life, there might be something more going on than physical sickness. My, 
kidney stones. First time was on a Sunday morning. Another time we were on a blast retreat. Another time I was on a mission trip. God, what's going on? What, what, what do you, is it just physical? Or is there something spiritual happening in my life that there's this spiritual warfare happening? Give me insight, God. Number two, the medical community is confused. In Mark 5, the woman with the bleeding issues had seen many, many doctors and she spent a ton of money and they could not heal her. It was getting worse. That can be a sign that there's things going on that might simply not show up on an MRI. They may be able to diagnose a few things, but there's something deeper going on. When the medical community is confused, you got to ask, what else is going on in my life? Number three, prayers, and I've, I hear this one, prayers seem to make the situation worse. That doesn't mean that prayers are not working. But you have some sort of illness, and you come to the elders, and you have them lay hands on you. You gather as many prayer warriors around you as possible, and the illness gets worse. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed. And as he prays, he takes breaks. And after each break, it's more intense. There's more warfare. There's more things going on. He's sweating drops of blood. Now, that's not a perfect analogy, but, but if your illness seems to be getting worse as more and more people are praying, there might be some spiritual warfare going on. But don't stop praying. Prayer is the most important thing you can do to be healed. Number four, signs of evil. If your illness is associated or comes with irrational thinking, irrational fear, irrational anxiety, irrational discouragement, irrational darkness, that means you probably have something not just medical going on, there is something spiritual going on as well. So, so you get a cancer diagnosis. Guaranteed there will be anxiety and there will be fear. But if at some point after there's some peace, that there's, there's, there's this, oh, I'm resting in my Savior Jesus Christ. But if, there, if you don't get to that point and you're freaked out and there's irrational fear and irrational anxiety, there's something more than maybe just medical going on. Yes, there's medical, but there's also a spiritual something going on. Because when the spirit is present, there is what? Peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, goodness. Signs of evil. Number five, conviction and spiritual discernment. In Psalm 32, David says, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. How did David know that God was punishing him? He could just feel it. There was the effects on his body and on his mind. Maybe when you have an illness and you keep thinking about the fact that I'm not supposed to be sleeping with this person or dating this person or those drugs are not a good thing for me or if I made God a commitment and I'm not keeping my promise, 
have not been faithful to it, if those things come to mind in correlation with the struggle physically, that should maybe make you think it might be more than just physical. Likewise, if you have a person in your life with the gift of discernment, we all need to have people in our lives with discernment, and they say, I know you've been to the doctor, you're working on your diet, you're exercising, but have you considered the fact that there's bitterness in your life? Have you considered the fact that you've been judgmental? That, that the dependency to that drug that you have could be a big factor in your illness? That would make me say, there's some spiritual stuff going on here. So what do we do with this? I don't want you to look at your neighbor and say, oh, what's going on? Pray for God to speak. But in your own life, discernment. What are we to do when we're experiencing physical, mental, and emotional illnesses? After we processed it and we're begging God for answers, there's five quick things. We need to pray. Church, we need to pray. This is good wherever you are on the map. It's always the number one thing that we need to do, even if it feels like things are getting worse. The man, man born blind was just as miraculously healed by Jesus as anyone on this map. God was working through that wine to help the stomach. Jesus is the one who cast out the demons so the woman could walk upright. God can heal wherever we are on this map. Even if you can't figure out where you are, he still heals. He heals through medicines. He heals through therapy, through diet, through exercise. He heals through casting out evil spirits. He heals through conviction of sin. Jesus died on the cross so that there will be no more medical, mental, emotional illness that is beyond his ability to heal. There might not be complete healing until glory someday, but Jesus can heal. James 5.13 tells us, any of you suffering hardships, pray. Any of you happy, sing praises. Any of you sick, call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of Jesus. Three times since I've been here in 15 years have the elders done that to somebody. If you're sick, if you're ill, contact us. We want to pray. We want to anoint you with oil. Second thing, seek medical help. Medical help is a gift from God. Start there. Bring in other people as well, but go to your therapist. Go to your doctor. Diet, exercise. Go south in the winter for a week. Take medicine if you need to, but be careful. Medicine is good, and it needs to be used at times. But be careful. Ask questions. Use discernment. If the Lord chooses not to bring healing through medicine and through doctors, ask him what's going on and praise him for giving you the grace that he has given. He will give you the grace to walk through whatever you're walking through. Number three, confession. The Bible says to confess your sins to God for forgiveness and to confess to each other for healing. James 5, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. 
Confess. Individually, as a church, confess to one another. Number four, engage in spiritual disciplines. Fast. Ask God for discernment. Pray. Read his word. Memorize. Meditate on it. I can tell you many stories, even over the last couple of weeks, when somebody took this seriously. When they hid God's word in their heart and they replaced the lies of the devil with the truth of Scripture. The healing that came from that. If you get up in the morning and you fail the weight of this world, anxiety, depression, I encourage you to read the word of God out loud. Gather your kids together. Read it out loud. Read it out loud to yourself. Ask God to use the word of God to strengthen you. Sounds obvious, but often we don't do it. Get yourself a spiritual accountability partner. It's interesting that Paul knows the difference in Timothy's life between sickness, the use of medicine, and the people in Corinth dying because of the sin that they had. It is a real blessing to look for someone to walk alongside of you. And then number five, ask for deliverance. The worst thing we can do today is make this a history lesson of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Jesus still heals today. He's a God who delivers. He's a God who sets people free, and it's going to look different for each one of us. We need to ask him for that. We need to beg him for that. We need to not give up. We need to surround ourselves with people that will continue to invest into our lives and to bring us before the throne of God. Easy to do when Jesus was walking on the earth. Let's just go bring him on a cot and drop him through the roof. Let's go touch his garment and we will get healed. We can't do that today. But you can pray for them. You can pray for yourself. We don't need a mediator. First Timothy says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, and his name is who? Christ Jesus. But you also go find his body. Where's his body? Right here. That's why it's so important to be involved in a local church. Not to isolate when things get hard. Well, I don't know what this is. I don't know if it's medical. I don't know if it's spiritual. Don't isolate. Find the body. Find people that will walk alongside of you. Come to the elders. Have us pray over you. And believe God for healing. Not the prosperity gospel. But believe God that the, the gospel will give you insights. It's the only healing. So don't get bogged down, down in this map or that continuum. As I heard Pastor Samra talk, and as I thought about this for the last month, it gave me a lot of clarity. But I want you to walk out of here knowing that God heals. And it's going to look different for each and every person. He uses many different avenues. And the healing might not come today or tomorrow or the next month. It might not even come until eternity. But God does heal. But he gives you the grace and the hope and the discernment on how to walk through every illness that we have in life. All healing comes from Jesus. Do you believe that?